Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside episode 186 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. And while Team Canada's selection camp for the World Juniors began yesterday, there were three notable absences. One in particular for Sens fans, it's first round pick Ridley Gregg will tell you why he wasn't there and when to expect him to join his teammates. Speaking of World Juniors, Timmy Stutzla named to the 27-man preliminary roster for the Germans, which won't coincide yet with the start of the DEL season. We'll tell you when that is because they announced it. Uh, Some bad news, though. They also announced on this side of the pond, the East Coast League. Some teams can, some teams can't. The Brampton Beast in that latter category. We'll tell you how that affects the Sens. We also have... Harry Bergson on the show to talk Ridley Gregg. He's a writer for the Brandon Sun. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, November 19th, and Pilsy, Timmy Superstar, is headed to the World Juniors. Are you sure? I mean, it seems like it seems like everything that's uh, surrounding Timmy Stutzla has so many question marks, which, hey, for us is great. It's content. I love it. But here's the thing. I think uh, Haley Salvian had a really interesting tweet saying that if Timmy stays with Mannheim this season, the team will release him to play in the World Juniors when he's healthy enough to play. Allowing eligibles to play in the World Juniors is written in the contract between the DEL and the DEB. So, of course, the organization is going to honor that and as far as we know, he is still only under contract by Mannheim. The Sens have not signed him. And if you're Mannheim, that's what you want. Get him playing in Germany. I think the DEL really focuses on trying to improve their development. And there was an article in Sportsnet, I think a couple months ago, talking about how German hockey is really trying to improve their overall development on a world stage. And having Tim Stutzler, who's already been named to the roster, so that's a good sign, if, if you're in the camp that wants, wants him to play there, which we are, is a massive deal for them because it just brings more eyeballs to uh, German developing hockey players. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl won the Hart Trophy. Like, this is a country that's on the up and up uh, in the hockey world. So it's only beneficial if they get their star guy leading this team to what should be a pretty good tournament for the German team. Like, they've really stepped it up here. So I, I'm excited to see him play in Edmonton. I think it's going to be just great. Uh, bad news out of the German team, though. Moritz Seider, the sixth overall pick in the 2019 draft, will not be joining the team. He was a part of a bit of a loophole. He was able to play in the Swedish Hockey League, the top tier in Sweden, which they don't do loans. So it looks like it's a full season loan there. So the uh, Red Wings are like, no, you got to stay there, get your games in. And does it really make sense for Sider, a guy who's already playing consistently, to, to go from game in, game out to a training camp for three weeks and then just to play six games? Can't say the same for Timmy Stutzla, although Mannheim will be underway on the 17th of December. Stutzla will be with the German program then. I want him there without question. And the injury almost amplifies that for me. I know some might be deterred from that. Say, oh, what if he re-injures it? 
Well, no. What if he needs the extra couple games to get back up to speed? You don't want this guy thrown into the highest level he's ever played at at an NHL training camp without having the reps. And this is a guy whose hands are a big part of his game. You want him to get the feel of the puck back. And there's no more competitive environment than the World Juniors for a guy that age. Let's remember, Pilsy, although he's a point-of-game player at the World Juniors, he's still looking for his first goal. Five assists, five games, and I can't wait to see him light the lamp for Germany. And I think it's almost inevitable that he does. We have made it very clear we want to see him play in World Juniors. And some people are saying, look, I don't think that's a good idea. He's coming off a broken hand. He's coming off surgery. Why not just have him come to Ottawa, get in training camp, and get get him in NHL games as soon as possible? I don't like that theory at all. Let's, let's look back at this. Timmy Stutzla broke his hand in practice. Talking about practice? Are we talking about practice here? He broke his hand in practice. What makes you think that he is going to be, has this uh, force field around him at Sens training camp and isn't going to get hurt? We've seen major, major injuries happen at Sens training camp recently. Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Christian Wallinen. These things happen. If you can't try to put a bubble around your number one prospect, he needs to be on the ice playing as many games as soon as possible, developing those skills so that he can be ready for the NHL. You, you don't save him and protect him to just throw him in the fire. And like you said, he's got, he hasn't played a competitive game in a long time. The last thing you want to do is throw him right into the fire in a position he's not ready for. Let him take the time he needs. Some Mannheim officials want him to stay the whole year. Now, where I differentiate from that, and I don't think it's the worst thing if he does stay the whole year, especially in a shortened season, keep that extra year of his contract, right? I don't think there's a rush there, especially with the one-year plugs that you got in there, or I should say placeholders, not plugs, but Alex Galchenyuk on that left side. And you, you've supplanted the roster to be competitive in the NHL with or without him this one year. But if you're Mannheim, I know you touched on the fact that, yeah, keep him for the ticket sales eventually. And we've seen around Europe, there are some fans. So that is a draw in itself. But in what area of life does a boss not allow his, his worker to go somewhere else for higher compensation and a bigger opportunity? It's a promotion. And if Tim Stutzla, and if you listen to him on draft night, and I know the excitement from draft night is there, his goal is to play in the NHL as soon as possible. I don't see how Mannheim would hold him back from doing that if that's what he and his agent and the Sens all think that's best. Okay, well, I'm going to play a devil's advocate here. And keep keep in mind, I'm just a podcaster. I don't know how these contract talks work, all the legalities of it, everything, et cetera. But here, here's where I see things a little differently. I'll tell you a position where, or a scenario where I think that changes. How about a global pandemic? How about one of the most one of the most hard economic times we've ever seen? If you're Adler Mannheim and the DEL is clawing and scratching to do everything that they can do to have a league, and luckily they were able to, from what I understand, get some government money, get some help, and all 14 teams are playing. The very last thing you want as a league, as a team, as a country, is to have your star player, a German player, go and play a season in Ottawa. Like, Mannheim still has control of him. You need to be holding on to that guy if you're Mannheim. I'm talking from their perspective because you need as much possible revenue as you can get. 
you need star power, you need people buying merch, you need people buying the TV subscriptions if there's not gonna be fans in the arena. And the last thing you want is to see, oh, okay, well, our best player, he's gonna go and play a shortened season in Ottawa, we, we're gonna give him up. I don't think so. If I'm Adler Mannheim, I'm sticking my feet in the ground and I'm saying Timmy Stutzla is staying in Germany. We'll, we'll do right by you and release him next year, but we're keeping him for now. Well, Pilsy, the one thing I'll finish off with here is only one of the DEL or the NHL has a schedule right now. So as it stands, there's going to be no signing until the NHL announces a schedule and all bets are off after that. But we know that as of today, Tim Stutzla is on Germany's roster at the preliminary for the World Juniors. He wore the C for this team in the summer that I mentioned against Switzerland. So you can expect him to take on an enormous leadership role on that top line. Whereas on the other hand, Ridley Gregg, a notable absence at Team Canada training camp. And it came out at TSN from his agent that he has the coronavirus and tested positive for it on November 8th. The good news, asymptomatic. The better news, he'll be done his 14-day quarantine on November 22nd. And that's when he'll join the team in Red Deer. Anytime uh, you hear that someone's tested positive for COVID-19, it's it's a scare, right? Like we all know the risk. We all know what happens, but luckily Ridley Gregg, healthy young guy and asymptomatic. I always struggle with that word. Uh, so he's not feeling any of the symptoms. So they're just want to make sure that uh, he's not carrying the virus onto anyone else, especially if he's entering a bubble with other players. So everyone's just doing the right thing here and he's going to wait till he tests negative and then he's going to come on over and look, I, we're not expecting Ridley Gregg to make the team, but this is going to be one hell of an experience to put uh, on your resume as a young hockey player. And anytime you get to go in a room or on the ice with a group of the greatest peers of uh, hockey players in your age group for the greatest hockey country in the world, Canada, that's a, that's a positive experience. So I think definitely Ridley Gregg uh, is going to get a lot out of this training camp, even if he doesn't make the team. Yeah, and if he doesn't make the team, you can still expect him to be there for a couple of weeks. The Canada announced they're not making any cuts for the first couple of weeks. Let everyone get involved and, and get their feet back under them. This is a group of kids who haven't been skating in this competitive of an environment in a long time. But, hey, we're one day in and we saw two absolute highlight real goals just putting an exclamation mark to the level of talent that we're seeing on this team Canada between Kirby Doc, Samuel Poulain, both those guys yesterday put on a complete show. So it's going to be really fun to track that. We're going to be tracking the Brandon Wheat Kings all year because not only Ridley Gregg, but Cole Reinhardt too sends draft picks. And we got Perry Bergson on the show, Brandon's son reporter. What was one thing you learned from chatting with Perry? Perry has a lot of great insight, and I think we're going to start doing this a lot more often, Ross. The, the junior teams that have or – sends prospects have already graduated from we're going to try to get some of their reporters and play-by-play -play guys on we had Patrick McNeil for the Cape Breton Eagles and these guys they just have so much knowledge and passion for the game and a lot of people don't get to have a really first-hand view of the CHL teams all the time whereas these guys do so I think it was great talking to Perry and I thought one thing one thing that stood out for me is him talking about Cole Reinhardt being a real country boy. I think yep. that's kind of cool. He was telling me after that uh, he was working on his ranch, Cole was, when he got uh, the news that he was going to be drafted and he had to drive in from his tractor to uh, to uh, figure things out. So I thought that was cool. The good, uh, good Alberta kid who's just working on the ranch. I, I, I can see him having a lot of good character, that's for sure.
That's what I was going to say was what I learned most about that. He had to go in from, from hounding cattle to uh, take the call that the Sens had drafted him in the sixth round. Now, Brandon hadn't made the playoffs the last two years. They think that that's going to change this year. So here is our chat with Perry Bergson. But before we get to him, we got to tell you about Built Go because Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Everyone has that wall, whether it's mental or physical, you can break through that wall with Built Go every single day. They come in easy one and a half ounce packages and you can put it anywhere. Put it in your briefcase. Have the most focused presentation you've ever had. I know it's the end of the season, but you can put it in your golf bag, power through the back nine, even bring it to the ODR and have a quick shift and you're right back on top of your game. You can even put it in your pocket just to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine, but with better results. It comes in three delicious flavors. We've got coconut, chocolate, chocolate mint, and my personal favorite, peanut butter honey. How does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, What's collagen protein? I ask the same thing. Well, collagen protein is a fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work. Beta alanine, B3, honey, and that kick of caffeine. Built Go then kicks me into high gear and keeps me going strong. B6, B12. How about 10,000% of your daily recommended dose? Collagen protein promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff will literally make you look better. And it can be so simple. Just go to visit BuiltGo.com. That's BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 30% off your next order. What a deal. Promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, here he is, Perry Bergson. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest. It's Perry Bergson. He's a reporter for the Brandon Sun, covering the Wheat Kings, of course, of great interest to the Ottawa Senators, selecting not one, but two players from the organization, Ridley Gregg and Cole Reinhardt. First things first, Perry, how you been keeping busy? It's been, oh man, going on eight months here without hockey. It's been a lot of feature stories. <laughs> when, you can't when you can't cover sporting events, it's a lot of feature stories. Fortunately, I've been writing a Wheat Kings alumni series for the last five years. So I'm 137 or 138 deep into that now. And, um, you know, you do what you do. I've talked to all the veterans this year. I've talked to your two draft picks in the last month. So there's always stuff to find. Hey, before we get to those two draft picks, I'm assuming Mark Stone is one of the alumni you've written a feature on? I have not written about Mark yet. Just I've kind of left the NHL guys alone. Uh, okay, just because cool. They deal, they deal with enough media. But, uh, you know, it goes back to guys like even like Ron Hextall and Brian Propp and um, Glenn Hanlon and guys like that who used to play in the NHL. But the current NHL guys, the only one I've done so far is uh, Ryan Pilon. Were you covering – Sorry, were you covering the team when Mark Stone was a, a weak king? No, no, no. but I, I remember him as a rookie. He was, Could he uh, skate? I remember seeing him at the first dev camp, and it was like, man, how's this guy going to be an NHL? Or now he's one of the most elite players in the league. Wasn't it something? Um, 
you know, he didn't have the beautiful feet, but at the same time, he was thinking the game so far ahead of everybody else. It was incredible. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it's coming out party at the World Junior, seven goals, seven games. But as Sens fans, we've had to say goodbye to a lot of fan favorites, Stone being one of them. But with that, ushers in the new generation of Ottawa Senators. And the 2020 draft is the biggest haul, at least in numbers. But having three first-round picks and the last of the three, 28th overall, Ridley Gregg, exploring his stats, it seemed like he really came on offensively towards the second half of the season. Was this a situation where if the year was able to finish out, he may have even been able to go higher in the draft? I think so. What happened with Ridley was, I believe it was 21 seconds into the season opener uh, last season, he hit actually one of his former teammates a little bit high and was kicked out of that game 21 seconds into the game. So that's a one-game suspension. And he got, he got three more games for the hit. So he, he lost the first four games of the season. And it really took him a while to get going. And the first 10 games after he returned, he scored two goals and had four assists. So, you know, it wasn't quite up to the standards that he was expecting for himself. But then when he caught fire, he really caught fire. He's, uh, he's an impressive player. Yeah, so it sounds like from that, that uh, Ridley Gregg does a little bit of both. Some uh, physical elements to his game, but he can put the puck in the back of the net too. Do you, do you feel like Ridley Gregg will still be able to produce offensively at a pro level, or do you see him more kind of molding towards that gritty physical element? Because we've heard a bit of both with him. I think it's going to be his skill that, uh, that stands ultimately for him. You know, I don't know if he's a first-line guy in the NHL. That's so hard to judge with a 17-year-old. But this is a kid who, you know, is five foot eleven, and he's up to 167 pounds. He's packed on five uh, pounds of muscle this summer. The, he hits like a Mack truck. When he hits guys, he just flattens them. Um, and that's got him in some trouble, uh, obviously, with some guys because, you know, in today's game, nobody likes to get hit anymore. Uh, but, uh, yeah, when I still think that his skill is the best part of his game. You know, he comes by it so honestly. His dad, Mark, played in the NHL. His uh, sister, Kyra, was at the University of Lethbridge. His other sister, Dara, is at the University of Wisconsin playing hockey. Uh, so there are some hockey players in that family, certainly. And with Ridley as well, you mentioned it's the skill that's going to be prevalent, but what can you say about his desire to get into the dirty areas and really muck it up a little bit in the offensive zone and in defensive zone as well? Oh, he, he's scared of nothing. For a guy that's not a big uh, hockey player, like Cole Reinhardt has that big build, and we'll talk about him shortly. Uh, but no, uh, <laughs> Ridley is scared of nothing. He will go wherever he needs to go. But at the same time, he's one of the smarter guys on the ice. So he is seeing the play developing and sometimes getting in and out before the problems start. Uh, when Brandon took him, they took him in the 2017 WHL draft. He drafted his 15-year-olds here. He was five foot eight, 137 pounds. And at the time, uh, the Brandon scout... Uh, said he's the smartest guy in the draft for us. He plays fast. He has great vision. He makes his teammates better. He's just a hockey player who understands the game. So that's what they saw from him three years ago. And all of that has just continued to improve. And it's a situation too, where when you play that, I don't want to call it reckless, but maybe more, um, you know, taking it to the other team physically, 
you want to have that size to back it up. So obviously having that bit of growth is good, but he also seems like a guy who can play up and down a lineup. Do you think that'll help him as he goes into to training camp or selection camp, I should say, for Team Canada? Yeah. Um, now he's going to be a first-year guy in that Team Canada camp. And, and you know what generally happens with first-year guys? Not a lot of them make that club. We'll see. That, that's all I can say. They, they have such an impressive group this year, don't they? And then when you start yeah. getting some of those NHL guys back, wow. Uh, you know, he's going to be in tough, just like a lot of the first-year forwards there are going to be in tough. But I'll tell you what, for the Brandon Wheat Kings and the Ottawa Senators, what a great experience for the young man. You know, four or five weeks in a Team Canada camp situation like that. I want to ask, you mentioned uh, Ridley Gregg, his dad, playing in the NHL for a long time. The Senators, they love drafting guys who have fathers, uncles, whoever, that have NHL experience. Is this a guy where you can tell he's been ra- – like you said, it's a hockey family. Like, on and off the ice, you can tell that this guy's just been born to play the game. Oh, absolutely. And I think that manifests itself in the hockey IQ. Uh, he just understands the game so, so well. You know, he plays center, so he's up and down the middle of the ice. He's back in his own end. Um, It's one thing that if he's going to play center at the NHL level, he's going to have to get a little better at draws because he's at 47.6%, and that's not going to cut it. And that's playing against junior players. Um, But, yeah, it just everywhere in his game, the intelligence just shines through. Well, he was just on TSN 1200, uh, the local radio station in Ottawa. He said that a player he compares himself to is Nazem Kadri. Do you see some similar qualities there? Um, yeah, that, that's actually a surprising one. I think somebody asked him if he's like Marchant one day, too. Okay. And, and, uh, <laughs> Feisty is kind of the overall kind of Venn diagram. Yeah. That's the middle circle between Marchand and Kadri. Yeah, yeah, I think he said... Uh, he kind of plays like Marshawn, just not as greasy. And I got a good laugh out of that. I like that a lot. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. The, the best part of his game to me is his skating. He is just a beautiful skater. And then when you couple that with that high hockey IQ, um, that's where you start to talk to guys or about guys like uh, Caudry. And he only turned 18 August 8th, so he's one of the later birthdays in the entire draft. So we're excited to see him grow as he goes into his third full season. I know he got a little taste there as an underager, but with Cole Reinhardt, this sends seventh-round pick. This is a guy who you've gotten to see for four seasons now with the Brandon Wheat Kings. Where did you see the biggest improvement year over year with Cole? Okay, we'll get to Cole here, but let me tell you one more thing about Ridley. Oh, yeah, we're all ears. He essentially started golfing this summer. Yeah. And he, and he holed out a 188-yard hole here in Brandon this summer. Just one so of those that's, natural athletes, eh? Yes, exactly. That was the point I wanted to make. Cole Reinhardt is a terrific kid. He's a, a rural Alberta kid from Iracana. I know a lot of places have him from Calgary. He's not. He's a ranch kid. His dad actually uh, trains cutting horses, which I don't know. You guys are from Ottawa. That might not mean much to you, but it's a competition where horses, guys on horses go into a herd of cattle and cut one of the cattle out and then keep it away from the other cattle. Wow. So that's what Cole grew up around. And uh, yeah, he has been one of those guys that has overcome his entire career. He was a late round pick for you. He was a ninth round pick 
by Brandon. 198th overall in 2015. Um, they saw a two-way game in him. They thought he skated really well for a bigger kid. And all of that has manifested itself. You know, you look at his points in the dub, and he's gone from 7 to 34 to 45 to 55. 16.2% um, shooting percentage this year. And the growth has been everywhere. But I don't have to tell you guys, for hockey players, such a big thing is confidence. Uh, you know, when you start to feel like you have more time and you're one of the bigger guys on the ice, everything goes better for you. And I'll tell you one thing about Cole when he was younger. I've never talked to him about this, but and it's my perception of it as an old goalie. But anyway, uh, he'd come in and it was almost like coming in off the rush. He was in a little too much of a hurry. So if you're in a hurry, what do you do? You hit the puck as hard as you can and uh, it goes where it goes. So quite often he would end up ringing the, he'd shoot it high and ring it around the net. Well, this year coming in, he had that extra second. He felt like he had the time, and those shots started to go in behind goaltenders, and they hit the net. I'm glad, you, me I'm glad you mentioned goaltenders because we're a goalie-friendly show, so we love that perspective. So you're saying that that helped him a lot because, I mean, I'm just looking at his stats. Going from 22 to 31 goals in itself is a pretty big improvement. And then when you look, he played nine less games as well. Yeah, there were days this season where he was a man among boys. Now, it's worth noting for your listeners that – this was his third crack at the draft. So he went undrafted the first two times. Um, I don't think he was a draftable player in his first year. Last year, I think he thought it was possible. This was the year that he thought if it was going to happen, it was going to happen. Um, the season he had last year was so, so impressive. And one thing about Cole is when he gets hot, he gets crazy hot. Like there's highs and lows with Cole. Um, from November 11th to November 30th, eight games, he had 18 points. He was the WHL's player of the week twice. And the thing is, he didn't get a point in two of those games. So we had 18 points in six games over an eight-game stretch. Um, you know, when, when he is feeling his oats, uh, I guess to use an old uh, ranch expression, uh, he, he's an impressive player. Physically dominant. And you mentioned the, the confidence as well. Hopefully he's not listening. If he is, Cole, I'm sorry. Sixth round pick with the Ottawa Senators, not seven. So he went 190th in the dub, 181st in the NHL draft. Yeah. Hey, well, I said Ryan Polon instead of Ryan Polak earlier. So uh, <laughs> a, a couple of minuses all around. I'll try, I'll try to keep us going here then. So what uh, you mentioned that uh, Cole's really worked hard and he's improved a lot season by season. Now, what do you think he has to do in his final season of junior hockey to get ready for the pro game? What are the little things he's got to work on? Sounds like consistency, obviously, is a big one. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, he has struggled at times with some injuries. Uh, you know, he plays a pretty rugged game on the forecheck and that. So that's a game that sometimes takes a physical toll. But you can just see that this guy is getting more and more physically mature all the time. And he's noticeably bigger every season. Um, so if you can put those physical attributes into, uh, you know, sort of that all around game and continue to build on that offensive game, I think that there's more in there for Cole. I don't think that we've seen it all yet. So th that's the biggest part for me that if he can uh, continue to build the offense, um, you know, he's, he's a guy that could surprise some people. He's done it here. I didn't expect him to stay here as a 16 year old. 
and he stayed the entire season. And it's just he's been proving people wrong for the last five years. So having said that, with the WHL season finally coming closer and closer, we hope, what do you expect from uh, Ridley Gregg and Cole Reinhardt here in this season if he's able to uh, prove people wrong and continue to grow here? Cole, I think, is – well, we aren't going to play as many games, obviously, this year. We're, we're going to see a lot less hockey. Yeah. But I expect his points per game to skyrocket up. And honestly, if he plays the way he's capable as a 20-year-old, after all the work he's put in this summer – I've talked to him two or three times this summer – he has the potential to be almost a goal-per-game guy in junior. Now, we'll see if that translates down the line to Ottawa at, you know, Ottawa's lineup – with Ridley, especially coming off the uh, Team Canada camp, whether he is successful or not, um, that's going to be an amazing experience for him. I think that he is going to be one of the probably better players in the Western Hockey League this year. I had a scout a couple of years ago compare him to Sam Steele, who plays, I believe, in Anaheim now, right? Yep. Uh, he's a Regina Pats guy, amazing Western Hockey League player. Just he's a little grittier, maybe Ridley is. Uh, so that's what I'm expecting, growth in every area. I think there's going to be maybe an effort to kind of scale him back a little bit with the physical game. Like he's, you can't have him taking that many penalty minutes. You want him on the ice. You want him on the power play, not killing penalties because of him. Yeah, already a, over a point per game player this last year. But something that stood out when I'm looking at their, their stats here is no playoff games the past two years for the Brandon Wheat Kings. What's the outlook on the team? Should we be expecting to see them push for a playoff spot? Oh, absolutely. I think they could be one of the top teams in the Western Hockey League this year. Um, two years ago, that was sort of the, the last year. They underachieved a little bit, but they won a title here in 2016. And as you know, in junior hockey with the cycle, sometimes it takes a while to get past a great team where you graduate everybody and get the, get the next great team going again. But uh, Brandon added Dave Lowry, the former NHLer, as their head coach this year. On December uh, 28th, there were 15, 17, 1, and 2. 15, 17, 1, and 2. And they went 25, 3, and 0 down the stretch. Um, so they finally kind of really started to feel good under Lowry's direction. Started to understand what this veteran NHL guy wanted. And they played very, very well. And then you have, uh, you know, a Cole Reinhardt moving into his 20-year-old year. You have uh, Ridley Gregg in his 18-year-old season. Braden Schneider, who the Rangers took in the first round, goes into his 19-year-old year. So a lot of their really high-end guys are going to be in positions to succeed this year. And they should have a better season if it starts, you know, when it's expected to in early January. Yeah, well, that's what we're hoping for is a January 8th start. And, hey, let's go crazy if we're going to have hopes, Perry. Let's hope that that's Ridley Gregg coming back with a gold medal around his neck with Canada. Just to add a little more to what should be an exciting season for Brandon. Hey, we'd love to have you back on, Perry, throughout the season. Check in on how the guys are doing. But thank you very much today joining us on the Locked On Senators podcast. Hey, it was fantastic, guys. And uh, don't hesitate to reach out anytime. Stick taps to Perry Bergson for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Perry Bergson to follow up to date with all things Brandon Wheat Kings. Now, Brandon, what should I reach for if I want to energize for the second half of this pod? 
Surprise, surprise, who's bringing that energy but Built Bar? Well, you already heard about Built Go. Don't forget about Built Bar. Don't sleep on the originals, the OG bars. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate with nut flavors, and eight chocolate nut-free flavors. The bars are covered in a hundo P chocolate. You chocolate lovers, get the Built Bars. You're gonna love each and every one of them. They're soft, they're easy to chew. The texture is just amazing, it's so enjoyable. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy or girl. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. You guys are gonna love this. The best lows, the best highs. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And as always, it's so hard to narrow down. All these flavors are amazing. So Pillsy's pick of the week coming up for you. There was two limited release flavors. I've teased both of them. The pumpkin chocolate chip cookie, that's sold out. You guys loved it so much, the re limited release, they're all out. But they still got one of the other flavor, and this is a real tasty one, maple pecan. So that's like a butter tart style flavor with your Built Bar, 160 calories, 19 grams of protein, five grams of sugar, and now the best part of it all. Built, in, Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your first order. One more time for you guys, BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your first order. All right, Pilsy, so lots of talk about players getting set to go back on the ice. Unfortunate news out of the East Coast Hockey League. A number of teams will cease operations for this season. But the return to play is confusing enough as is. Do you have a handle on what's going on? Because it sounds like some teams are going to start initially, and then a second group of teams are going to join them. But are the Brampton Beasts completely done, game over this season? I'm very, very sad to announce that, yeah, the Brampton Beasts are part of that North Division that has voluntarily decided that they're not going to play this season at all. Just, it's so tough. I mean, we, we both uh, worked for an American Hockey League team, and even the American Hockey League, like these teams rely so, so much on community revenue and people coming to the games. That's so important for them. They don't have those big TV deals like the NHL does, right? So they need people coming to the games. And if that's not possible, and you're looking at border crossings with uh, Brampton and Newfoundland, like the logistics are just too crazy. But so it's really unfortunate there. But you asked if I have a handle on how the rest of the season is going. I don't really know. Like, they made this very confusing. So, 13 teams. So, like I said, the North Division is is not playing at all. So, that's the um, Adirondack Thunder. I'm definitely saying that wrong. The Brampton, Adirondack Thunder. <laughs> Adirondack Thunder. That's like a four-part word there. Brampton Beast, Maine Mariners, Newfoundland Growlers, Reading Royals, and the Worcester Railers are not playing. So, they're out. But 13 games... 13 teams will be playing a 72-game schedule from December 11th to January 14th. And then the remaining East Coast teams, not including the North Division, will start their season on January 15th and do a 62-game season upon jurisdictional approval. So this is a split season, and league standings are going to be based on winning percentages. But I don't know. This is just such a weird way to set this up. And I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures. I get it. But... The biggest head-scratcher for me is why the East Coast Hockey League is going ahead and doing this when I feel like they should just be 
aligning their schedule exactly the same way as the AHL. Like that's, that's kind of your, your point. All these teams are, are farm teams for AHL teams. So it's going to be interesting to see how player transactions work in, in this style of league. Well, the one that's most pertinent to send fans is no goalie friendly show. We got to talk Kevin Mandelazy. You heard Gerard Shaw say he expected him to start in Brampton. He thinks Kevin st- thought he was going to start in Brampton. So how does that affect this going forward? Like, we heard that he offered to go back to Cape Breton to help train, but he could still be an overager there, I, I believe so. So that yep. adds some intrigue in a certain area. I don't think Cape Breton would be a fit in terms of how they've kind of offloaded after they went up, but maybe he's a trade chip and he goes to a contender in the queue, or is he guaranteed to go pro? And then you just have to figure out whether you're carrying three goalies at the American Hockey League level. Like, there, there's going to be some some more movement here, and – uh, the Sens are going to be at the forefront of it. Yeah, and you laid out all the scenarios pretty good there. And yes, he can play in the queue as an overager, so that's a positive. And I think of the three scenarios you said, either him staying in Cape Breton, either him being traded in the queue or going up to Belleville, the best option is number two, being traded in the queue. Because it does a goalie no benefit, especially, we're talking about a guy that just won goalie of the year in his league. The last thing you want is sitting cold on a bench waiting to get a spot start in between Joey and Gus. Like, that's not what you want at all. And that's not good for Joey and Gus. They need as many games as possible, too. So I think best case scenario, he goes back to the queue, but Cape Breton trades him to a team that really needs a veteran goalie and has a spot for an overager. And then he plays a full another season in Quebec. I mean, obviously, you want him in Brampton. I think the East Coast Hockey League is a amazing place for young goalies to develop because well, it's you heard so Joey, hard on them. You heard Joey talk about it. You can get peppered one game and, and then the next game have it feel pretty easy. Definitely. And I mean, you'll hear uh, Ottawa's uh, goalie coach, Pierre Grew, he's, he says it too. The work that Joey did in Brampton was massive for him being able to come up in Belleville. When I talked to Marcus Hogberg years ago on Making Sense of the Sense, uh, he said himself that playing down in Brampton really had to, he had to up his responsibility. He had to play with a lot more uh, focus because you don't have those good uh, and almost NHL caliber defensemen helping you out. It's a, it's a gong show down there for the goalies, like just being honest. So it's good practice for them. And what would you say to somebody who, who says, just leave Gustafson over in Soderley uh, in the Alston league and the whole season? That's an interesting scenario too, but where I don't like that scenario is we know Philip Gustafsson is an effective goalie in Sweden. We know that. That's why he was drafted so high. That's why he was coveted by the Senators in the Derek Broussard trade. What we don't, or I guess another thing we know is he struggles heavily in North America. The North American game has not been kind to him. And I think it's great he's getting his reps in and his confidence up in Sweden now. But when Belleville starts, he's got to be there for, for two reasons. For his own development, like I just talked about, he struggled in the North American game. And to keep uh, that pressure on Joey Decord. Like, we know our boy Joey is going to be focused and competitive and confident, but it's always good when you have someone nipping right at your heels and the battle for the number one job is that much more intense. So to that, I'd say, personally, I would rather have Gustafson come back to Belleville. Probably a moot point because Gustafson's loan ends when NHL training camp opens. Some food for thought, though, on yeah. an extremely good team in Belleville. He's played 62 games and has an 891 save percentage with only three more wins than losses. More losses if you count OT as, uh, as that. But still lots of time. Still a very young goalie. Philip Gustafson is only 22 years old. Just two years older 
than Kevin Mandelazy and even a year younger than Joey Decord, which I don't think everyone realizes all the time based on their career paths and how they've gotten to Bell Vegas. One way to get to Bell Vegas quicker or maybe get past it altogether is to light up the Liga. Robbie Yarventi now points in 11 out of 15 games, and we have still yet to see a goal celebration even after his seventh of the season. In there, done that. The Robbie Yarventi story. He scores goals. It's what he does. He comes into the office, he punches in, and he scores goals, and he punches out. Not a big deal, Ross. Um, but I, w- I want to break down his last goal because this is so telling. Like, this kid is so damn dangerous in the, stro- in the slot, and everyone knows it. But that doesn't mean they can stop him. Like, his last goal is hilarious. Yeah, talk Those... about a passive box on the PK for that team. They had four guys below the hash marks. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, Eels is on the power play. Yarventi is literally in the middle of four defenders. Like, you couldn't be more covered. I don't know how you could get more covered in, the, in their box formation, like you said. And somehow, again, I don't know what's going on in these defenders' mind. All four of them are puck watching. You'd think maybe one of them would be like, hey, I should probably watch this hot goal scorer right in the slot on a power play. But nope, he gets a quick pass and fires it in. And if you watch the long replay of it, he's Robbie Arventi's in front of the net the entire time. He doesn't move. And I think the thing I've been most impressed with with Arventi is his release. You saw a bunch of goals. He can have defenders draped all over him. But as soon as he gets that pass, he gets it off so quickly. And that's why he's able to stay in those high danger areas and be successful because it doesn't take him any time at all to get a really good shot off. And most of them are accurate and can beat a goalie. So Robbie Arventi is going to have a lot of success if he can continue that. I think it's going to be harder as uh, the league's competitiveness get higher and guys get stronger and defensemen get bigger. But right now, I love his attitude and that's good habits to have forcing yourself in the slot. Pilsy and I both like to make a wager now and again, and uh, just a pro tip, bet on Eels. This team does not lose. Five straight wins. They're in first place by six points in the entire Liga, and their next game is against the team in dead last. And yes, I'm talking about Vitaly Abramov's Jukurit, although for a couple of games now, Pils, we have not seen Abramov in the lineup. Yeah, and that's really unfortunate. That's another guy that uh, I thought has just been incredibly hot, and he his team needs him. Let's make that clear. I just have one correction, Ross. Ilves is actually on a six-game winning streak. And how about this? They're outscoring teams 32-10 to 10 in that streak. Like, talk about dominance. So, yeah, we're going to be hopping on Ilves' uh, links for betting. That's for sure. Yeah, 12-3 and three on the season in, in 15 games. That says a lot. Yeah, big time. So I think that's going to be an interesting game. It's too bad Abramov's not there because then we could really get a head-to-head battle. But Ilz is going to destroy that team. Yeah, and I'll just make a correction on your correction. It wasn't a correction. It was an extension because they oh. have won five games straight, but they've also won six games Spot straight. Spot the lie. You got, <laughs> man, Detective Ross back on the case. The website I use here for the Liga standing is called Flash Score, and They only show the last five games. So Pillsy doing some extra digging there. You love to see it. We're going to be doing some digging this weekend. And all I'm allowed to say is stay tuned for next week. But for now, we say adieu. We'll be back tomorrow. But for Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.